know Your ass better call somebody Gentlemen, boys, and girls, children of all ages, Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World, the McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. Welcome back in, everybody! Episode 15. Can you believe that? 15 of the 4D Chess Dynasty Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mick Nutted. You can find me on Twitter at Iowa Michael and rocking with me as always, my main squeeze, Adam. You can find him on Twitter at ATM4D Chess. What's going on tonight, buddy? We are back. Another episode of 4D. 4D's back in the building. Episode 15, man. Time wow. is flying by, and I'm having a lot of fun along the way. We we got good topic. It's been a lot of rookie discussion, rightfully so, but we're gonna we're gonna break into something a little different. Get back to a little bit more of a strategy piece here. Let's keep it. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it a hundred. Fucking tired of talking about rookies. I'm tired of it. We're not gonna get any new information until the actual draft happens. And picks are made so right now it's just prime season for all the bullshit on twitter and Brees hall's ass and julius chestnuts the greatest thing ever and isaiah spiller still sucks and sam howell's not getting drafted i it's just all the hot takes flying nothing to talk about so that's all all you see and we we have said our rookie piece we have done rookie mocks we have done our rankings we have done adps and actual rookie drafts Live ones. Left. Money on the line. Money on the line. The only thing left to do is just see where these boys get drafted come draft day, which also brings me to a great point. Just saying the words draft day, it's a time on tradition. I have to watch that movie probably yes. at least twice. Before oh. the NFL draft. <laughs> Being from Cleveland, man, I'm going to watch that thing at least twice before the NFL draft happens. I'm, I'm always excited for the NFL draft, man. It just... It doesn't matter. 22 class offense is horrible. I, I, I could care less. I'm ecstatically excited to watch this draft and see where these guys fall. What rounds, what teams. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, we'll have to get some details ironed out and where we're, where we're doing it and who we're doing it for. But I can guarantee you this. Your boy especially took that entire weekend off from work. I said, I ain't coming in. I'm doing nothing but draft. I'm going to live stream the whole damn thing, start to finish. Let's go. Thursday night. I'm going to be right whenever, there with you, man. Whenever that right fucker, there with you. <laughs> whenever that fucker ends Saturday, yep. I will be live streaming that bitch. Let's go. I got this. So, since we're not talking about rookies, a great topic that I wanted to dive into tonight and talk to Adam about, and I think we both have some really good opinions on it, is best ball. Our favorite way to play, Dynasty, allows us to get multiple leagues in without having to set lineups and go through the Sunday morning excursion of who's in, who's out, 
who's a last-minute game-day scratch. Oh, shit, he's still in my line. Oh, I didn't get to that league in time. Damn it. Now I'm going to take a zero at this spot. So we like to play best ball. Adam, is it your preferred way, way to play? Because I know hands down, like, I'd, I don't even really consider joining a league anymore if it's not a best ball league. Yeah, I mean, I, I have some leagues I'm still going to play in that are lineup, and I'm okay with setting lineups a, a few times, but when when I when you get to this D-Gen level, you know, 20, 30, 40-plus leagues that we're trying to get to, I, I'm, not, I'm not really that interested in setting all those lineups every single Thursday, checking who's hurt, who's playing, who's not, checking it Sunday, finalizing it Monday, like – it, it's fun to set some lineups, but that amount to me, it takes a lot of the fun out. I love the best ball format because it takes some of that guesswork out and it still, still allows you to have a strategy for what's going to build your best team in that format. And I think that's what we're going to get into here is how you can exploit some of the things that may not be thought about in your league when we're just talking best ball. Mike, this is going to be the thing that when we do drafts now, like when you talk, what's your favorite, what moving forward, I doubt strongly doubt. I have get into a new league. That's a lineup setting league. All my leagues moving forward are going to be best ball. It really has to meet certain criteria for me to want to do a lineup league. I'm, I'm in if the money's right and you know, the entry fee makes sense and the, the league settings are too crazy. I'm in for and the people, about, the people, yeah, that we're and, getting and in the it. people I'm in for just about any best ball dynasty startup, but lineup I'm very particular, right? Because I have yeah. to put in that extra effort every single week on Thursday night games on Saturday night games, when they go to those late in the year on yep. the Sundays and the Mondays. And then with the, the COVID going on for the last <clears> two years, it added that different stress element to it. Like, oh, you really have to be on top of it. And because it's lineup, you have to be on top of the waivers a lot more than you have to be on top of waivers in a best ball league normally. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and you're talking like COVID, right? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> let's say how many times in lineups have I had? You're, you have the decision on Thursday. Okay, I got this guy. Not a horrible start, but I really don't want to start him. And I got Travis Kelsey on COVID. He might come. He might be able to play Sunday, right? But if he doesn't, now you now you don't play the guy on Thursday. Kelsey doesn't come off COVID. And now you're sitting with what? Like those things over and over in a lot of leagues, they, they take some of the fun out of it for me, man. I'm down to about nine. I think it's nine. Exactly. Lineup leagues left in Dynasty. The rest, the other 14, whatever, how many <laughs> damn leagues I'm up to now is all best ball. But the, the lineup leagues left are either – Older leagues, and, and generally they're leagues that I enjoy. Uh, the the people around them, a good group of guys, the chat's active, the, the group is active as a whole. It's very entertaining. On those really inactive leagues, like you, you've been there, and I'm sure you dynasty gener- degenerates at home, if you're playing along too, if you're in multiple leagues, I'm sure you know the feeling of being in a league that's not very active or the group of guys aren't really – you don't have that that com- camaraderie, that that friendship in chat. Chat's always popping, or there's always something going on, or trade offers going out. So, if it doesn't really have that, I, I don't mind being in those leagues, but it's going to be best ball for me. Like that's that's where I wanted to be. So, I, I'm with you at pretty much everything going forward. I don't anticipate joining any more lineup leagues. 
unless it's something where it's like a like destination debut, like a Heisman League, something along those lines, where it's it, it's eleven other people that I know who are active and, and together. Right. But right, right, exactly. It, it's gonna it's gonna take a, a special circumstance main point to get me into a lineup league again because best ball is just so so up my alley when I'm stacking leagues. So I think the first thing to talk about because there is some confusion. A lot of people, it's relatively new concept i would say best ball is well and especially with dynasty involved too right the the yeah that you have the the what people normally think of best ball in redraft the underdogs the the right. draft king tournaments those type of things so people are aware of that dynasty best ball has been around for a little bit uh the only way i could really play it in the past was on ffpc or ff oh, how whatever it is i don't yeah. play on it anymore <clears throat> yep that that format didn't jive with me, right? You had a kicker, a defense. You only uh, had you only had twenty two total roster spots. They, I remember you kept, sending me those leagues, and I'd be like, oh, "What what what is this, man? Like, talk talk to me about this. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get out of this." They 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 kept them the roster spots small. <laughs> they do that for orphans, right? When people leave, you have more in your. Your rookie draft is combined vets. So anybody who is in the free agency pool at the end of the year is also part of your quote-unquote rookie draft. So it's a lot easier to fill orphans because you have that ability to turn it over with free agents and veterans in the rookie draft and on the, the waiver wire, per se. So I understand where it was coming from from there. It just was, really wasn't my thing. Where best ball exploded for me was when Sleeper added that. And Sleeper added the ability to have custom dynasty leagues where I can have 35 to 45 bench, like total roster spots. I can have it. Uh, one of the big things I wanted to touch on is there, there is essentially two different types of best ball when it comes to dynasty. There's draft master best ball where you don't do waivers. You don't do trades. However you draft, that's the team that you go with throughout the entire year. It's, right. a, it's a draft and forget it. The types that I like to play in is where I get to do all the things about Dynasty besides setting the lineup. So non-draft master. So you'll have a startup draft or a startup auction, whatever your forte is, whichever way you wanted to play it. And you'll have the ability throughout the year to make trades, to hit the waiver wire. If there's anything left on the waiver wire, you know, in the leagues that I set up, usually the, the bench spots are ridiculous the starting spots are ridiculous. We're talking, you're going to roster anywhere from 35 to 45 guys on your squad. So the waiver wire is usually full of four string tight ends and, you know, <laughs> long snappers. And there's not a lot of other stuff out there, but you have that ability in season and non draft master to make trades, to make waiver pickups throughout the year. You just don't set a lineup. Best ball takes care of that. Whoever the best scoring QB on your team slides into that QB spot. Whoever the best scoring option would be for you at the super flex position, hopefully a quarterback would slide into the super flex spot and, and so on and so forth, however your positions are set up. So I just wanted to get that straight because there is some confusion. When you say best ball, people are like, oh, I can't believe I can still make trades. There's two different types. If you think about it as draft master, that's going to be your underdog. That's going to be draft master redraft best ball that's going to be where you just draft a team in april and you have that team throughout the entire tournament for that season now if it's a 
a dynasty league that's draft master, those players will carry over till next year. You just won't be doing any trading in season. You won't be doing any waivers in season. So got that out of the way. Those are the two types of best ball. Once sleeper introduced that ability to have fully customizable dynasty best ball with trades and waivers and roster spots and change your scorings and change everything. I was hooked. I was hooked from day one. It was one of the greatest things that they could have done. And I'm pretty sure I haven't joined a lineup league since everything has been nothing but best ball. We started with one, our first one, name the league best balls. You and I did it together, right? (laughs) We did it. And that very first one that we drafted last year, we go back. We both have said it multiple times. When we look at those teams, we go, man, we were bad at this. (laughs) We did this all wrong. Not a very good start to that first one. I'd say this. It's it's a bad start because, like, when I look at best ball, it's like, okay, like, it's not my best team but it's solid it's got a direction right but it's a lot of the moves in the startup and the process hadn't quite evolved yet right when you look at some of the teams we drafted more recently you're like oh yeah this is this is 4d this is the shit way this is how we're going to do things moving forward and i think we've learned a lot not only about the startups and doing them and in the experience but how the the settings differ in best ball And, and i think that's really what we want to get into here is how sometimes there's subtle differences. Sometimes they're big differences and, and hopefully helping you understand dynasty degenerates. If you're getting into these best ball leagues and haven't played, we're going to try to walk you through why we are where we are as far as adding as much depth as possible, because it's so much different than setting a league every Sunday, every Thursday, every Monday, right? It's so much different than that because your wide receiver 40 can make your, your roster several times and, and wide receiver 40 in lineup. Good luck deciding when you're going to start him. Your, your team better be injury ravished and you better have everybody else on COVID if you're starting that guy. So, so you and I last year in the OG bomb squad of best ball league, start up with Ray, the legend Ray himself. When we did it, we had two very different strategies. We've touched on that before. But let's start right at the quarterback position. Let's just work our way down, incorporating everything that we've already talked about with the micro dynamics of your league. So at the quarterback position in a super flex best ball, Adam, you went in that league with the, the studs approach at the quarterback. You had Patrick Mahomes. You had Aaron Rodgers. What did you learn or how did you feel about that approach with two Alpha QB ones studs at the QB position. How did you feel that strategy played out for you last year? Because you've actually did it. You got to see it for 17 weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'd say more often than not, it was a really good quarterback group. The the problem is even with guys last year who were so elite, right. And Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I, there, there are so many times where I was not actually starting a quarterback in the super flex spot. So while it is good to have some studs, if you don't have any depth to back them up, you're, you're not going to have, you're not going to be consistent enough week in and week out. So what I'd learned is if, if you can take Patrick Mahomes down tier him 
and grab another player that can make your lineup and still get a top 15-ish quarterback that with upside that we like, smash move for me. And I think if you're listening to this, a lot of people, you're going to say, what? Why would you? quarterback 50? You're talking what, like Mac Jones, Malik Willis? Like, why would you want to do that? Sounds crazy, but we're, we're going to try to walk you through why that makes more sense. Because if you if I if I could get Mac Jones in my in my lineup, but now I have another shot at receiver or running back and let's say I get a pick another asset. I'm now multiplying assets, multiplying chances to get into my lineup where I'm just so heavily relying on Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers to be God every single week. And and even as good as they are, there are going to be weeks where they let down. It's just the reality. Yeah. I haven't actually gone that approach in any of these best balls where I have the, the two studs, right. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going for that third guy, that filler in, in OG bomb squad. What I did was go with the the five headed monster approach. <laughs> None of those guys outside of maybe Russ, Russell right. Wilson, was a locked in QB one. And and it and it didn't matter that Russ got hurt that year for me. He, it didn't matter at all because I had five. And the bonus to having five is why everybody else, like even Adam, talking about Mahomes and Rodgers, how good they were, how good they are as quarterbacks. He still had weeks where one of those guys may or may not make his super flex spot, may or may not score enough points to beat out his fifth or sixth flex option on his team that was on the bench, which which is is absolutely wild to me. When I went in, I went in guys with Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Davis Mills, uh, Tyrod Taylor was on the squad for a little bit. But you, you go with this this five this five-headed monster approach, this four-headed monster approach, what I found is I never had a bad week at the Superflex spot. Even Adam could have a week where Aaron Rodgers only puts up 14 points and doesn't make his Superflex spot. With the way the scoring settings were, were lined up, I was probably the only team in the league that every single week you could lock in at least 20-plus points at the Superflex spot, meaning my QB2 position was always going to give at least 20 points. Right. And when you look across the landscape in a head-to-head setting, that's a massive advantage where, where I have that certainty. I'm never having a bad week here. Now, it does come with somewhat of a trade-off, and we've discussed it before, but I don't. I never had that, that crazy high ceiling that a Mahomes or a Rodgers had. I, I wasn't in danger of Ryan Tannehill putting up 50, 60 points like we saw with the, the scoring – with some of these other quarterbacks like Herbert and Lamar, right? They had those huge monster weeks. I wasn't in danger of that, but I was always going to be somewhere between 20 to 35 points just consistently. I always had a really good floor. So that league did pay off with a title. So I do like that approach, but how about the contrast here? If, if you had to do it again, if you were building a squad in best ball and you were, Picking the direction of trying to compete this year, would you go for the studs approach or would you go for this four-headed, five-headed monster attack next time? Yeah, I mean, I think more often than not, I prefer the depth side versus just the complete studs and duds approach. I'll say that if – I think there's probably a middle ground too depending on what you're, if it's a startup or if it's an auction, right? Like this one was an auction draft. So 
little different than in the startup where you could kind of maneuver your money versus in a startup, right? In a startup, without being absolutely crafty as hell, getting four legit quarterbacks is going to be tough. So I think like there's probably a middle ground of getting some studs, but also backfilling with a lot of depth in some of these leagues. I think though that if you just rely on 10 to 12 players and they're all elite players in, in a best ball format, unless it's like a start eight, you're you, you, even if you have really big boom weeks, which I had probably what three or four really big boom weeks, you don't have the consistency that those guys are all in unison at one time going to continue to perform week in and week out. Even the best of the best have their duds. I mean, you could look, you could literally talk about any single player at any single position and you're going to find where they didn't crack the top 24 in that week. Right? So in best ball, when you have a long roster, if you're not a wide receiver two, running back two, quarterback two, it's a very good chance you don't make that lineup. Right? And if, I don't care if that's Patrick Mahomes, if that's Jonathan Taylor, whoever it is, that that person doesn't make your lineup that week. He does not help you at all. So, like, the consistency is not there if you don't have enough depth. See, Ed, Mahomes did have one week last year where he finished as QB 26 and wouldn't have made your lineup regardless, right? He scored right. eight points. Right. Eight points. And, and you're talking about the 101 or the 102 in startups. In a super flex draft, the one of the greatest quarterbacks we we have seen for fantasy purposes, and you, you're still going to get those odd weeks where he just doesn't do you anything. He's not going to make your lineup, like you mentioned. So, I think that's huge. I, I do agree with you. I think that is a, a massive point too. Depending on the type of startup draft auction, will dictate a lot of that. Right. Yep. I, I I know. I have talked to you about the the what do we call it the uh, the Scott Connor approach where you trade up for two stud quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He developed that approach where he plays a lot of lineup leagues, so that's where his approach comes. And I thought it was very interesting. And I was thinking about possibly doing it in a best ball league, but the more and more I think about it, the more and more I don't think I would ever ever get to that point where I would want to do something like that, just for the simple fact that in a draft in an actual draft so if you if you're going out your typical snake draft startup what you had said is you don't have a lot of points where you're going to be able to fill out that roster with the depth required to have a successful best ball team correct in an auction very different very different if you pay up for two elite quarterbacks and that's the route that you want to go you still have multitudes of options to get guys at a discount later in the auction, right? You're not, 100%. Waiting, you're not waiting multiple rounds. Or you don't have to wait 12 picks, you know, to be back on the clock again and, and hope that everybody passes on your guy. I think in, a, in an auction draft that is more feasible in a lineup or a, a traditional snake draft, I don't think that's feasible at all. Because if you, if you think about best ball, you really want to emphasize the depth. You really want to emphasize the amount of people who could possibly make your lineup on a given week. And what's going to be the most valuable piece in a startup snake draft is going to be your first and second round startup picks. Mm -hmm. So if you're trading a lot of that depth to go up to get those, because they're going to cost a lot, Mm -hmm. 
you're also negating yourself the opportunity to be able to trade down from the 101, the 102, the the Justin Herbert, the the elite quarterback, and stack more assets later. Whereas an auction, you don't necessarily hamstring yourself that bad because you have so many opportunities to find a like last year, find a Cooper Cup for eighteen dollars on a five hundred dollar budget or whatever it was, something ridiculous like that where you're going, all right, fixed it. <laughs> who needs who needs depth when I have two stud quarterbacks and I got Cooper Cup at a massive discount? We're good. I got the wide receiver one. Nobody was predicting he was going to be the wide receiver one, but that's the kind of ability that you have where in a snake draft, those chances get more spread out. A lot more uh, a lot more risky to try to go that approach. So I don't think in a in a snake draft format, the stud quarterback thing is gonna be something that I will implement. I'm not gonna say never, but highly unlikely that I think I would go that route just because of the draft capital it's gonna to take to go do it. Yeah, I think there's a couple things I wanna hit on that you, you kind of touched on there that are that are key here. I, well, for for the Scott Connor um, go get two stud quarterbacks. I think in a lineup league that's I don't want to get too much into lineup because this is a best ball focused pod, but Dynasty Degenerates, if you're in a lineup that's start 10 or less, that will pay dividends because if you get two quarterbacks that are top 10 at the position, elite dynasty, long-term assets and score well in your lineup, it's like a six point per passing touchdown league. The difference that those two positions are going to score and the the benefit they give you versus the rest of the field, there's only eight players in your lineup league that can counteract those two players at quarterback. That that gives you a massive edge and advantage. And, and you just, although you move up to get those two stud quarterbacks, you can backfill and not, as long as you're not losing a lot in a replacement position, you're going to be just fine. You're going to actually be really good. But in best ball, it's so much different. What Mike said here, I think, is key. I, I touched on it, and Mike went on it again. And I think the thing with best ball, and if you're doing a startup draft, and if you're in leagues that people, like Mike said when he talked at the beginning, they have not done a lot of best ball, they're not going to know how important the depth is. This is something I've seen when I've talked to a lot of people that are doing best ball that's new. It's one of the biggest keys I can tell they haven't played in many is just it's no, through no fault of their own, they just have more of a lineup viewed thought process on it, which basically in the lineup leagues, you you want more of those studs. Not saying you don't want studs in best ball, but depth matters so much more. So I think in a startup draft and it's best ball, if you're not able to trade out of a pick back and get more assets, when you draft studs, think about what's what those players are going to demand in trades because once the startup's over, everybody loosens up, right? Now, all of a sudden, you can go to a lot of different people that are still thinking lineup and offer said player, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, whoever that is, Josh Allen, right? And you can go to the down tier and pick up at least another really legit asset, if not a, if not two additional assets. And that, I think, in, in best ball, if you're not able to do it in the startup draft itself, is going to be the approach I use in a lot of these leagues Unless everybody catches on because they're listening to us here on 4D. I feel that. One of the, the key talking points around, especially the, the, the Scott Connor approach, that's what we're going to – we're going to name it the Scott Connor approach. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it's that. The Scott Connor. He, he's a very, very smart and knowledgeable guy. Uh, 
Yeah. And I think one of the things when he talks about it, where I like I try I push back is is because I'm involved in so much best ball. One of the things that he did say was why pay for value insulation? Well, if you're doing a best ball, think about this. Think about this, Adam. If we just talked about the two studs approach, we talked about the the middling, the the Tannehills, the cousins, the the assortment of QB2 type approach which has proven to be successful. I can attest to that. It's proven to work in the the things I laid out. The other approach would be somewhere in the ballpark of the, what we call them, the trash cans, the trash can approach, uh, the the Goffs, the the Daniel Jones, the Mitch Trubisky's. The dumpster fires. The the real bad ones. And, And having a bunch of these. Yeah. This is where I think the insulation part would come in where Scott says, don't pay for insulation. What well, in best ball and especially dynasty best ball, I thrive on that insulation. I thrive on the fact that I know that Kurt Cousins is going to get another one to two years easily. I thrive on the fact that I know Derek Carr is going to get me another three years now with this contract. Look at this contract. Right, man. I thrive on those those mid guys where where Scott shuns away from them, but I thrive on them in best ball because I don't want to go into a best ball league, and especially in the types that we play. And now this will vary, like Adam had mentioned, how many starters and how many bench, etc. This will vary based on your micro dynamics of your league. But in general, when I'm thinking about the best balls that we play in a ton, Adam, very deep benches, very deep starting rosters. The value insulation comes in, the insulation, especially at the quarterback position, comes into play in the dynasty aspect for me that I know I'm going to have him for another two to three years because I can't just go find somebody on the waiver wire who may or may not start a week. You yeah. you remember last year, you traded a third-round pick for Mike White yeah. for essentially one week of decent production and then one week of absolute horrendous dog shit. Yeah, it was a again once again because I didn't have any quarterback depth. I just had two. One of them was on a bye, and I, that in that league there was no other options. It was third round pick was as far as it went down. We didn't draft for us in fifth. So in best ball, the way it was set up, I'm like, man, this is an overpay. I know it's an overpay, but if Mike White just gets in my lineup and wins me a week, it's worth my third round pick because I'm trying to just win a title right now. So. It was a significant overpay, but like you said, I lost I lost a third round pick for a guy that didn't make my lineup that week and then was complete dog shit, right? So that was that that happens because there is no viable options on the waiver wire typically, right? You, you got Tyler Hundley down the stretch. You, you're gonna have some diamond in the roughs. You're gonna get guys that start here and there because of injury or COVID every now and again. But if you're relying on those to help you win weeks. <laughs> you, you, you're going to be really, really sadly disappointed, man, because that's that's not a, a viable way to to win on in best ball is getting waiver wire at quarterback. You might be able to find them at wide receiver because there's so many receivers that play week in and week out, but at quarterback, it's just so unlikely. Now, it's not to say that it can't happen. The biggest issue is you had to do it for one week and you had Rodgers and, and Patrick fucking Mahomes. You had to do it for one week. You had to do it then. Now imagine if you had three shitters 
just absolute ass cheeks quarterbacks. You had Goff, you had Daniel Trubisky. Jones, and you were rocking uh, Taylor Heineke. I, I got Taylor Heineke. I'm fine. You had to do that week in and week out, depending on their situations, on whether or not the rookie that's sitting behind them is going to overtake them and, and start. Or maybe they're uh, highly injury prone, or maybe they're just absolute butt cheeks. And they'll put Tim Boyle in just because right? Tim Boyle gives them a better chance to win. You have to deal with that situation every single week. I think it, you you possibly can, but you have to get extremely lucky, especially yeah. in these deeper leagues. You really have to get lucky and really be on your toes about it. Just in general, though, that's where the insulation comes in. Like if I have Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill, yeah, they're not sexy, not they're not great, but I know they're fucking starting. I know they're going to be the quarterback of their team for the year unless they get injured. The insulation does come into play where I'll gladly pay for the insulation as long as the insulation isn't an arm and a leg. But if, you know, Derek Carr last year cost you maybe a back-end first, maybe. If you paid a back-end first going into last year for Derek Carr, how good do you feel now? Right? I got Derek Carr for last year. Derek Carr just got an extension. Derek Carr just got Devontae Adams for the next couple of years. Yep. I feel pretty good about the insulation of Derek Carr, especially when I know that he can produce and he has produced with fucking nobody. So when we get into this insulation talk, I understand exactly where Scott's coming from because it would be completely different if I'm in a lineup league or it would be different even in a best ball league if it was shallower benches, if it was shallower starting rosters where that that studs approach really comes into play where yes i don't think i want to pay for the insulation especially if i could just pay for the stud like just pay a little bit more and go get a stud i don't want to pay for the fucking insulation instead of it just being a first round pick let me add another first and let me add something else onto it let me go get a a burrow let me go get a lamar jackson or a dak prescott or something i don't want to pay for the fucking dog shit insulation so i understand where he's coming from but just brought that up because when you're talking about it at the qb position i think those are your your basically your three options you you do the pay up method which adam has done it himself he says he doesn't really recommend <laughs> he didn't feel good sometimes in, got, in best ball dude, I, yeah it, it could still listen it, it could still it, it could it could have worked right but the problem is you're just you don't have you, you you cannot rely on that consistently in the playoffs three weeks in a row. Can it happen? Probably. But it's I would not recommend it because of the variance that every single player has week in and week out. And for that to and for that to manifest a championship in three weeks in a row of them all booming as studs. It's, it's not likely enough for me to want to do that over and over in best ball. How would you have felt if you got more aggressive on the waiver wire throughout the season? I, I think if you go with the studs approach, you do need to be more aggressive on the waiver wire at the QB position. So a good example. Yeah, you have to, yeah. I think mm -hmm. Davis Mills, I picked him up week three in that exact league, and I bid 70% of our budget, 70 out of $100. There, there was nobody, there was nobody at that everybody. time. There was nobody, nobody, nobody at that time was going to pay 70%. Yeah. 
So that was a McNutted Mills McNutted. They 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 went hand in hand. And what's funny is it's a nice little pickup now, right? Like people were clowning, but yeah, I mean, honestly, in best ball, if there is a potential starter for the rest of the season, I think in best ball on the wire for a quarterback, Mike, it, it, there, there's two big keys, right? Mike White's, Tyler Hunley's, these type of guys are going to come in. Unless unless it's a season-ending injury, though, they're, they're fillers, right? They're, they're a few weeks of stop-gapping. Yep. But if you get a, a Davis Mills who has the potential to take that job and run with it for the rest of the season, that that is worth blowing damn near your whole budget on, right? Especially if you're shallow at a position because, a, like you just alluded to, a starting quarterback in best ball, just because he's going to go out there, I don't, the Texans could be horrible. That's actually better for Davis Mills, right? It's going to get you more points unless it's like, I mean, in, in granted in bomb squad, it's heavy negative. So there was probably some weeks where he's just throwing picks and turnovers, but there are, is a chance every single week that he's going to get garbage time and actually make your lineup, right? That That's why I think there's a, there's a difference between somebody that has poses the ability to be a starter in your lineup for the rest of the year versus someone that's just going to get you two, three weeks. Davis Mills was an interesting one too, because he did end up making my lineup a couple times throughout the year. And I think once in, once in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I think if, especially though, I think it goes for anybody. If you're in competing in a best ball, you need to be aggressive with what Adam said. These guys who got the, uh, the potential uh, to go out and, and start for the rest of the year. You, you probably do need to be aggressive on the the Tyler Huntley's, the, the stop gaps too, just to, yeah. to keep your competition from being able to, you know, tread water for a week or two. But the, the Davis Mills especially, like if you blew your whole budget on Davis Mills in week three, bravo for having the foresight. Welcome to the club. I was pretty close. I think it was most of my budget at that point. But – these guys can just provide you such a massive advantage if he's starting because I did get three weeks out of him where he he joined my lineup and it's a deep QB pool. Now it could have been three, four, maybe even five weeks if Adam had picked him up on those weeks where Mahomes didn't make it or Rogers didn't make it. So I think at the quarterback position for best ball, our best advice to you, the listener, when you get into these is to try to go with the QB depth. The, the studs could work. The studs could work. And and I'm going to try one out. I, I promise I keep saying it. I'm going to try one out. I do think, though, I'm more inclined to do it in an auction than I ever will be in a snake draft startup just because of that draft capital requirement to go get it where I know I need depth at running back. And I'm going to need depth at wide receiver and tight end. I don't want to sacrifice all that to go get two guys when I know I can just – rounds five six seven in those areas let me just stack three three middling quarterbacks and i know i'll be fine and then maybe in the ninth or tenth round i go get some some turd as my fourth quarterback that nobody cares about i go get the jared goff who i think i might get six games out of this year or something along those lines so yeah i think that's the best advice what we learned from best ball so let's transition let's move over to the running back position I don't think there's a lot of changes at the running back position for me. And even some of the insulation talk does come into play. 
it, just like the quarterback position, the insulation part does come into play. Where Josh Jacobs, while not sexy, does have some value in these dynasty best ball leagues because you know Josh Jacobs is going to be the centerpiece at the running back position for that offense for the next two to three years. Pretty, pretty good bet. A guy like Elijah Mitchell, on the other hand, who's going in about the same range in a snake draft startup, you don't really have that insulation, Adam. You you really don't have that that warm and fuzzy feeling where who the fuck knows Shanahan may draft somebody in the fifth, sixth, seventh round this year, and that may be the guy that they, they give a majority of the carries to. I, I don't I think the insulation does kind of come into play there as well. But in general, for the running back position, I think this is why you and I still lean in best ball. I don't want the fucking receivers. And for anybody who doesn't follow my Twitter or isn't part of our Discord, Adigo underscore FF on Twitter had a fantastic thread about wins over replacement for positions based on ADP with all these sweet-ass plot graphs that he has. And... While he said if you change up some league settings, which we have talked about in the past, changes this drastically on on the, the, the scale. Generally speaking, when I read that thread, I came away going running backs and quarterbacks and super flex and then everything else. Because the wide receivers, the elite ones, if you can pick wide receiver one or two, yes, they're going to be towards the top of the scoring. The Devontae Adams, the Cooper Cups, the Michael Thomas from three years ago. These guys are going to be elite. Ebo. But 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 la- but see, last year though, it was also skewed a little because Cup and Debo, who were so good, right? They they were drafted so much later, right? So so yeah. if you're finding those diamonds in the rough a little bit, okay, we have a different discussion here. But typically when you're utilizing a top two round, you know, one of the first two picks in, in a startup on the receiver position. He, he has to be a top three receiver for that to even work as far as scoring that season. So I, I think, honestly, Mike, the, the, what he put out there, that is a summary of, of where we come from, why we prefer to have running backs, why we prefer to have the elite quarterbacks. And, and he prefaced a very good point, a very telling point, I think, that's being overlooked by the community, right? It's hard sometimes to pinpoint the running backs that are going to be the top of the of of each year. A lot of that comes down to injuries, right? But what we do know, last year there were a lot of injuries at the running back position. So I think that's why it's settling on currently running backs are a little devalued in startups. You'll see, especially outside the top, like four or five, they really are starting to slip in drafts. But I think that's because of coming off of a year where there was a lot of running back letdowns. If you go through and look at the last five to seven years, though, when you have years where there's not a ton of running back injuries, look at who's winning leagues, the running backs, and in Superflex, the quarterbacks. So I think that that really summarizes the value over replacement is such a big key for why we prefer to get our receivers later. And I think even in best ball especially – Although there will be people that will tell you in best ball, just go get a bunch of receivers because they can make all your flex spots and all that. Listen, that's their approach. If that's the way that they want to do it, that's fine. Do do your thing. But for us, 
we want to go get a bunch of those running backs that we think have chances of being top 10 running backs. Because if you can land three or four of those, you can backfill wide receiver twos all the way into round 12, 13 in, in startups, right? And especially in best ball, if I can just stack four or five or six of those guys from round six to 12 and my running backs stay healthy, my good luck taking that team down. Good luck. Even even though people will look at the running back position and they'll talk about volatility, in best ball, if I got three, four, five running backs that I feel solid, solid with, real, even, as much hate as Antonio Gibson's getting lately or J.K. Dobbins. J.K. J.K. is dead, bro. Didn't you know? Insert whoever the fuck the community is on now to just shit on. I feel good if I had those guys on my team, even these unspectacular that the community – Oh, these are just middle of the road. You're just doing your trade them away. Fucking go for the Aaron Joneses of the world. Even those guys, what they provide to me in best ball, especially is a very good floor, a very good. I know I'm going to get somewhere between 12 and 18 points out of this guy every single fucking week. And I can just lock it in at the wide receiver position. Sometimes that's extremely volatile where Cooper cup was amazing. Yeah. For almost all of last year. Amazing. Didn't really have a bad week outside of, I think, week four. Week four, he might have finished outside of the top 36 wide receivers. One week. The rest of the time, he's in there. That's the elite of the elite. You start getting down into some of these other wide receivers that people keep advocating to draft, especially in a snake draft format, if you're thinking ADP. Some of these guys in rounds three where people are like, oh, you should take a wide receiver here. Rounds four, the J.K. Dobbins range. Oh, you should take a wide receiver here. Some of these guys are extremely, extremely fucking volatile. Yes, they can have you that 30, 35-point week. They sure can because receivers can explode at a moment's notice. They can go for 200 yards and three touchdowns just like that. The one thing that I do covet in best ball, though, is that floor, that that consistency, where I know that this guy's going to make my lineup. I don't want... The general theme of best ball is I don't want to have a lot of guys on my team who have a weekly possibility of a zero. The zero does fucking nothing for me if I'm trying to compete. Absolutely nothing. So I want guys who are going to score points. Yes, Adam and I had this discussion about it where he went with the, the studs approach and I went with more of the middle of the road type approach. But the thing is, I think I think in the long run, throughout anything outside of the playoffs consistency and a nice extremely high floor will get you a lot farther than this boom bust because while adam could have a massive boom from his mahomes kelsey stack there's a possibility this is aaron Rodgers' bad week doesn't make his lineup at the super flex spot there's a possibility his Running back doesn't or, do or the Rodgers or or the Rodgers Adam stack right. I had both those stacks. Didn't yes. matter. Yeah, there there is that extreme possibility where if 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 you don't get them to fire enough, you don't get enough of your team to fire your studs. You're gonna get run over by just a oh, it's just Mike. Look at his floor team. Look at the uh, the unsexy guys he has. Ooh, right? Leonard Fournette. Yeah, the the guys who are just. Ah, we don't really care about those. You, Ryan Tannehill. You know, like in that league, to beat me every single week, Adam, you had to score about 200 plus points. 
to oh, even have a shot. For sure. Two, 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 two and a quarter, probably. probably. Now, yeah, yeah. One, one of your stacks could go off for 90 points. You, you still had 110 points that you had to get from somewhere to get to my floor. <laughs> That's assuming I didn't have any boom weeks. I didn't have a 40-point Cooper Cup week. So these are the kind of things I'm talking about, especially with the running backs and the wide receivers, where I still favor the running backs in best ball going in. I haven't seen anything that has made me change my mind. Even the Antonio Gibsons and the J.K. Dobbins, who Twitter has declared dead. They're both dead for whatever reasons. They're both dead. I still would rather have those guys on me than the the wide receiver pool. So, Adam, for you, has that changed at all? You're still in the uh, RBs over wide receiver camp? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, Mike, the other thing you touched on – at quarterback, and it's the same thing for running back because of positional scarcity, right? That that plays a big part into the wins of a replacement, value of a replacement, right? So I think this is the other thing, Mike, especially when these running backs are falling right now. Like if I if I get I've been doing this at least in some of the startups we've been doing lately. I'm getting I'm getting four, Mike, of the running backs that you and I really want the top 12, 15 type guys, right? The golden zone for us. And and here's what happens that we discuss about quarterback happens here too. Guess what? Guess what? When you do that, it does. Like if you've got four, four or five, guess what? Everybody else has to have. There there might be one or two other people that have a a, a little mini hoard, but there are a bunch of teams that are starving for that position. Yeah. Right. And and it puts, And it puts a listen. You, if there are the RB zero types, right? You know, where just fade it. We'll just go get Lenny's and whoever else later. Okay, what if they don't pan out? Guess where they're going to have to come calling to. Same thing as in the superflex at quarterback. The little horde you have four or five, like Mike. I'm either just going to let all these guys be in my lineup, and I'll have no issues at the running back position, or no issues at the quarterback position, or you're going to have to come paying a lot more than I paid in a startup. Go to the startup heat value map if you wanted to tune into our stuff. Where I where I drafted said running back, you know, the the Cam Makers, the Antonio Gibsons, the J.K. Dobbins, the people that are really being dropped down into that fifth round now. <laughs> you're not paying fifth round startup value anymore in the season if you want to come get them off my roster and I'm competing, right? So – there's also a point of not just what they're going to do in your lineup, but what they're going to do as far as trade value later on. So I think that that's an, that's an aspect for me where I really want those quarterbacks and running backs. And then listen, Mike, go dynasty degenerates, go do yourself a favor. Mike and I talk about understanding startup values and player ranges. A lot of that's for trading, but understanding that for drafting too, right? The four D's. In drafting, go look. You'll be surprised to see some of the names that are coming off the board at the wide receiver position from round six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Mike, especially in best ball, you're getting people that have a very good chance to make your lineup weekly in those particular rounds. You you cannot say the same for running back there. You can't. 
So we'll we'll transition this into the wide receiver because this is a fantastic perfect transition fantastic. point. Yeah. What you just mentioned, I shout out Adigo underscore FF on Twitter. Go check him out. I I don't know the guy. I'm not affiliated. We have never talked. I don't think we have sent a tweet between each other, but I am a huge fan of his work. That that massive thread of wins over replacement. But his first one that he got me hooked is he pulled sleeper API and tracked real sleeper startup drafts. Super flex startup draft. So not not none of this mock draft bullshit. Not let me find eleven other Where's the money at? Where's the money at, Mike? Yeah, let me let me find eleven weirdos on Twitter. These are people doing real drafts. And I'm gonna assume most of these involve some sort of cash, right? That I don't know how many people you know out there who are just doing free startup drafts, but uh, I want to meet those people because those are a special bunch. But what Adam just mentioned. Like the receivers going in the rounds, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right? We'll just go through some of these. So I'll pull up a Digo's ADP, and this is just from the last week. So we'll start it off. Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Elijah Moore, Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy, Amon Ross, St. Brown. That's your round six wide receiver. Do you still feel good in a best ball league, Adam, if any one of those guys is your wide receiver one? Fine Those names, like, I feel, I feel fine very, I feel very fine with. I mean, obviously, it depends on what the depth behind it is, but like, if Correct. I have enough depth and that's the one, okay, shoot, All right, I'll Adam. shoot my shot. All right, Adam, let's go to the seventh round. Say this is where you want to start taking some of the depth wide receivers. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Jamison Williams, Darnell Mooney, Chris Olave. A certain, there are certain ones in there. I'm, I'm absolutely fine. At wide receiver one, yes. I'm over the moon with a Hopkins, a Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, Mike, Mike Evans. Evans especially, right? This is best ball. Jameson Williams, kind of like Chris Godwin in the round before. We have our concerns with the ACL injury. but yeah. I wouldn't Darnell, feel good with him as my wide receiver one. But he, Mooney, Darnell I probably Mooney. wouldn't. You're not feeling as good. But say yeah. this is your wide receiver too. Oh, yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. Or even a Chris Olave. I know I don't want to put too much emphasis on – Rookies producing on competing teams year one right. because we made that mistake in the past. And the community as a whole always tends to do that. This one thing I especially, vowed, right? This one part this year I vowed not to do if I'm building a competing roster, not to rely on rookies because there's Tony wide yeah. receiver one. Yeah, I'm not going to do that shit again. Yeah. But, you know, if I got Chris Olave as like a wide receiver two at this spot, I'm feeling good. So let's move on to round eight. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper. I feel very good if I have Amari Cooper. Brandon Ayuk, Rashad Bateman, George Pickens, Hollywood Brown at the 812. Mike, and I think this, okay. A best ball league. Think about this. A best ball league. But Hollywood Brown at the 812. Now, now Mike, I, l- let me say this because this, I think, hits on why I'm cool with it and why. You just talked about sit, round six, right? There are leagues that I get two quarterbacks, running backs, and then either in round six or round seven. So I either get two quarterbacks, four running backs, or two quarterbacks and three running backs, and then start tapping receiver, right? Now, look, 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 what you just hit on, right? Six, seven, eight, Mike. Go ahead and this name, name those uh, round six guys again for the Dynasty Degenerates real quick. Start to finish, Devontae yeah, Smith, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Elijah Moore, Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy, 
Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay. Let, let, let's just – I'm going to pick one. We're just going to roll with the rest. Let's say you get Terry, round six, Terry, okay? Terry McClure. Okay. Round seven, right? You said names like, I believe, Mike Evans. Who else? Go so, ahead. Na- so name it for the say, Dynasty Degenerates. Just say you took Terry McClure. Right, yeah. Round six. Mm-hmm. Your next pick then would be at 7-11. Okay, so go ahead. Your, your wide receiver two would be Darnell Mooney. Okay, I not so now I got Terry Mooney, and then in, in round eight I got an early eight, so I get my pick of Ayuk, Bateman, that tier, right? You get your pick of Amari Cooper, Ayuk, Bateman, Hollywood Brown, Cortland Sutton. It begins round nine. Michael Thomas. Okay, that, it, Mike. That so, tier so, so, of so we're talking. Receiver. We're talking here. Dynasty degenerates. Think about this now. You've grabbed three to four receivers. I'm sorry, running backs, three to four of them, right? And your two quarterbacks, okay? So now you start tapping the value round six. So you get yourself Terry McLaurin, Darnell Mooney, and then you and then you get your pick of Ayuk, Bateman, Cooper? Yeah. Those, those are your three receivers, even if I have to start three receivers. That's ridiculous. Now, and, and, and Mike, Mike, that's before we even get into round nine, round 10, round 11, round 12, which we're going to do right now. But think, I just want you to conceptualize what this can look like if you do the running back early, quarterback early. And then I'm gonna just going to just bag log all types of receivers down from that. You, Mike, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? So just flip it around here from a perspective. Say you went the other way. You went wide receivers early. Which okay. I've seen people do. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to hear this, but let's let's go ahead and let's give it to everybody else. Let's do Adi- it. Adigo, the way he lays this out is fantastic on his Twitter thread. I, I can't stress it enough. Check it out. But we'll just slide over one spot. What if you're what if you're picking at the uh the the 110 instead of the 111, which we just did that kind of exercise? You're picking at the 110. You take Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Tyreek Hill. Damn, your receivers are stacked. Now, say maybe rounds four and five, you go and get your quarterbacks. So now we're going to look at round six and seven, eight, where you're going to get your running backs. Okay. So in round six, you could get David Montgomery. I don't I don't mind that. No, Elijah no. Mitchell, Isaiah Spiller in round seven, Fournette, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, A.J. Dillon, Michael Carter. Those are your choices. That 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 is all of your choices from round six through eight. Outside Mike, of Mike, just Mike, a couple guys there, Mike, like David Montgomery, Carter, I'm I'm okay with. If I have Carter as one of my RB ones or twos, that, that's the team I'm picking in a direction of I'm not trying to compete. I'm sorry. I, I, that's I where I'm at. I understand where people are coming from. I understand where they're coming from. But when I look at this, I feel much better about Terry McLaurin being my wide receiver one compared to the rest of the field than I do David Montgomery, even a guy that I kind of like and I think people shit on too much Yeah, as my RB1 versus the rest of the field. That correlation does not make sense, and especially in a best ball league where these wide receivers, I know I can just stack as many as I fucking humanly want even once you get outside of these rounds, Adam, you got your starters. You start going down into the, the shitty rounds. Rounds 14, you backfill with a Jacoby Myers, a Kenny Galladay, Alan Lazard, uh, Marvin Jones, Tyler Boyd, right? Tyler Boyd's in the 15th round. 
you can lock him in for what 60 70 catches eight 900 yards and, and, handful and, of touchdowns and in like the, best the, ball, he's, I'm he's happy gonna, yeah with that. and that's what i was gonna say in best ball mike he's gonna hit he's going to be a wide receiver too probably at least like six times at minimum he's right? gonna make he's gonna make your lineup quite quite and a if bit. you're talking i'm getting him in round 15 16 that's a i mean he he i'll be honest like that's a target i've been hitting on even around early just to make sure I don't miss him because in best ball, I'll take that. I, I don't have to always have ceiling in best ball. That's the other thing, Mike, I think that gets lost is you don't always have to have ceiling in best no, ball. No. Now you can have ceiling when it gets really late and there's just like, Hey, these guys aren't going to make my lineup. Let me just take the guy that could hit me over the top for one catch and get in my lineup. Fine. Like, but, like a, a Taekwon Thornton. Yes. We, we yes. did rookie. Perfect. Drafts, right? Perfect. And I took a couple of shares of Taekwon Thornton just in the fifth round. Right. But 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 don't Fuck lose it. track. Yes, it, it is important later. Take take Taekwon Thornton. Take the deep shot guys, Calvin Austin types, right? Hope hope for that upside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but don't lose track of Tyler Boyd, who's gonna be just fine. Like, don't think this guy's middling and he's never gonna make my lineup somewhere after drafting him. No, that he's a good target in round fifteen. In, in OG Bomb Squad, what was one of your favorite players on that team? Ooh, right? you, Mr. Hunter Ranfro. This is a team with Mahomes. Put him in a blender. Mahomes. Hunter Ranfro. You had Mahomes and Kelsey. You had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You had our boy who will never quit, Miles Sanders. You had Austin Eckler. Your favorite player, I can guarantee, throughout the entire year was Hunter Renfro. Because what did you have to spend to get him? Some fucking fab. You spent some fab because he got cut. Mike, Mike, ten, <laughs> ten, ten, ten dollars of the preseason fab. Pre-season the preseason fab. fab. The you worst know? type of fab. The the, the the spend the spend it fab. You know, listen, hey, but in all seriousness, though, Hunter Renfro is a perfect example of he's last sexy. year. He's not, he's not sexy. sexy, but you can get. <sighs> We'd have to go back and look at last year's ADP. But goodness, where did you get Hunter Renfro, Mike? ridiculously late ridiculous we don't even have to pull that up because we know everybody dynasty degenerates we all know it's late if you weren't playing dynasty last year you may not believe how late it is but it's 20th rounds maybe maybe he might have been a little higher i would say his ceiling of where he's going is look at jacoby myers look at tyler boyd where they're going now yeah right yep 14 15 16 somewhere in there that had to be his ceiling Mm -hmm. so these kind of guys, I feel much better too. So we're talking about backfilling wide receivers in best ball. Right. You're going to backfill with a with a, a Jacoby Myers, with a DJ Chark in the 13th, a Robert Woods, a Russell Gage, a Tyler Boyd, a 17th round. Shit, even even guys like Tim Patrick in best ball become uh, intriguing to me. Like shit, Tim Patrick might get me two three weeks. He might make my lineup. You know, with him and Russ, might happen. Devontae Parker now in New England. I'm not a huge Devontae Parker, but at round 17, I feel comfortable backfilling with these guys. If I look at some of the running backs in here, in these range where people would be doing the opposite and trying to backfill the running back position, you're looking at Trey Sermon or Naheem Hines or as much as we love Tyler Algier. Yeah. What the fuck can you? It's rely a dart, on? though. We 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 know it's a dart, right? Like we hope it hits. So we like him. We like the player, but we don't know where he's going to get drafted. We don't know how soon he sees the field. Like there, there's so much unknown. 
Or a, a Jamal Williams, right? Oh, we know what his role stop is. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Gus Edwards. All right. Mar- like Marlon Mack. Am I making you sick yet? Oh, my goodness. I need to refill. The point is I feel much better. Mike, by the way, Dynasty Degenerates, real quick, I just looked it up in three drafts we did last year in best ball. Round 25 or later, Hunter Renfro. In all three. shit balls. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of shit balls, snake balls, he went in the 25th. <laughs> figures. It figures. Yeah. But so the general consensus is running backs over wide receivers because of this reason. We just went through that exercise. Let's speed it along here and let's hit the last position, the tight end. Okay. Tight, end, tight end's easy for me because in best ball or in lineup leagues. One or the other. I think the strategy is the fucking same. It, yeah, it, it is. It really is the fucking same. It's just the tight end position at the hole. Either you get one of the elite studs or you just hammer the shit out of the mid to late gross guys and hope to God you can find the next Dalton Schultz. Yeah. That, that's what your goal is. Dawson Knox, right? Yeah. As, as much as Adam, as much as I want to be a TJ Hawkinson guy or a Noah fan guy, like I, I would love them on my team. Mm. I want them. I want to represent Iowa. I love those guys. I think I'm just past the point of spending any capital on it. Now, when you on- say that for the Dynasty Degenerates in a best ball startup, super flex, right? Standard tight end premium, all that. Yeah. What's the earliest round you're willing to, to go for a Noah fan? Would you do it in the ninth, or are we? You're just like I'm. I'm out till later. Like, give us what that means to you. I would say like ninth, tenth round for like a Noah fan. That's where T- I'm at. Mid TJ, mid to late ninth, I'll, I'll pull. T.J. Hawkinson is one of those guys. I th- I think both of these guys, both of these guys in best ball format specifically, are guys I would rather just miss out on in the the startup. And try to acquire outside of the startup for just to add them to my team. No dude, no offense is going consistently in the tenth now, though, Mike. It's so wild. It is so wild. Like to me, Hawk, and it, to me, if I'm gonna pass, to, to me, if I'm gonna pass, no offense is they prime. Like I know it doesn't sound great, Dynasty Degenerates. No offense is going to Seattle, but if that's my tight end one in a best ball, and I'm not taking him till round ten even late nine, and then I'm just going to start tapping. Mike, like, let's talk through some of that, too. Don't, I, I want to hear your, your TJ Hawkinson take, but, like, yeah, who are these guys that we're going to just keep kind of pounding on later, right? So you get, like, four, five, six of these tight ends to backfill if you don't – if you pass on the Pitts, if you pass on the Andrews, right? So we'll, we'll start here, right? Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and I will still throw Dale, Darren Waller in there as the top five tight ends in Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of Devonta Adams, I still feel comfortable with Darren Waller. If I don't get one of those five guys, as much as I love TJ Hawkinson, as much as I love TJ Hawkinson, his ADPs in the early part of the fifth round, and what we had just talked about, Adam, is our strategy when we go in and how we draft. I can't justify myself in a best ball league spending a fifth round pick in a snake startup on TJ Hawkinson. Nah, I can't do it. Can't do it. As much I as I love you. the guy, I cannot do it because I, I need to fill out this team in a certain way. And it just doesn't make sense to me to go a TJ Hawkinson over. So TJ Hawkinson is going over like a, a Devonte Smith, a Terry McLaurin, right? The Elijah Moore. Yes. When we're, we're starting to tap into wide receivers, 
If I'm sitting there at – so he's going at 5'10". I take that back. I had it reversed, but the late part of the fifth round. He's going at 5'10". If I'm sitting there Hawk. at 5'10", yeah. yeah. If, if I'm sitting there at 5'10", I'm like, I just hit – I'll start going wide receiver right now. <laughs> let, me, let me just kick this off early, right? I might be finishing out my quarterback position or whatever I'm doing. Tight end really isn't in. If I missed out on those other five guys, I'm cool. Let me just wait till later. So yeah. Hawkinson, especially another one, Dallas Goddard, as much as I love Dallas Goddard or Pat Fryermuth. And then you get into like Dalton Schultz in round eight. But where, where's Goddard going? Is he a sixth or a seventh He's right now? He's a seventh. He's a seventh round startup. Pick. Goddard, I think it probably would depend on where in the seventh and realistically where he falls. Like to me, I agree with you though. Like the problem is, okay, once again, Mike, for the Dynasty Degenerates. Team building. Dallas Goddard in the early seventh or some of those receivers you mentioned in the early seventh, I cannot justify taking Dallas Goddard ahead of those guys. Right. So that's where it comes to like, there's a cost for Dallas Goddard to me. If he starts falling to that late seventh, maybe, I, but ahead and, of some and, of those receivers, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. And that's not even factoring in, you know, these are super flex best balls. I may not, I may not have my quarterback position fully filled out yet. Right, yeah. we talked about taking the, the third in the ninth or tenth round. What if where Dallas Goddard's going right now at seven oh eight, Kirk Cousins or Zach Wilson falls down that far? Yeah, nah, Mike, no chance, no like, chance. Like, why the fuck am I taking Dallas Goddard? Let me take the quarterback position because we we kicked off the show with QBs for a damn reason because yeah. generally they're the highest scoring position. And, and I think Mike in best ball are going to make or break whether you win or lose most of the time. And I think, Mike, it, it, going through this, walking through the startups, it, it really hits on, I want Kyle Pitts, regardless of build, in that late first, early second, range, early yeah. second, mid Hammer second, for sure. Out. Kyle yeah. Pitts is like a queued up, that pick gets to me, that you, you better come offering the moon, or you can get lost, that thing is tapped, and I'm out, right? Done. We've we've you and I in leagues that we co-manage and leagues that we each are playing in already. I bet you in startups we've done so far this year, where you and I are both in, we have to share more often than not. But outside of that, I'm I don't think I'm quite with Andrew's ADP man. He is basically going like a couple picks behind Pitts, and I like Andrews, and I understand that it's a guy that could be awesome, but I just. I have my doubts taking him ahead of some of these great running backs, even great quarterbacks that are going after him. So, like, but okay, look, my point is if you get past those two and you have not selected those two, unless Kelsey Kittle Waller is becoming a value based on startup, I'm m- much more likely to just wait till 10. I'll take Fant. Wait uh, till 11. Yep. I'll take a bunch of three, four, five of those tight ends that. Listen, the other thing about tight end, too, if you don't get those top five guys, like I hate to say this, Mike, but it's true. It's They're, they're somewhat touchdown dependent. So just give me five of them, and, and probably one of them is going to get in the end zone. The other one's going to have a good yardage week, and I'll be safe. I don't need to absolutely crush you, right? And, and if you're going to crush me week in and week out, you're probably going to have to spend round one or round two capital on Pitts or Andrews. So it's just give me the early, or I'm going to just wait stack every other position and then just hammer tight end later right yeah i'm in the same boat too unless they become a value at adp it's it's kyle pitts in the late part 
of the first round, early part of the second round, which is where his ADP is. So I'm not I'm not waiting on ADP, right? I'm not going, oh, Kyle Pitts is a value. No, <laughs> right, I'm act- yeah. I'm actively taking Kyle Pitts. Yeah. But everybody else becomes the value play, right? Mark yeah. Andrews is going in the mid part of the second. I'm not thinking about him until like maybe like mid third. Like, holy shit, nobody took Mark Andrews. All right, maybe I'll do it. Yeah. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey are coming off in the fourth. If I'm sitting in the fifth round, like the mid to back part, and those two are still on the board. If I'm at 412 or, or early fifth, I, I, yeah, consider I, me. I, yeah. I start to think about it, right? And right. then you go into Waller and Hawkinson. So they got Hawkinson at five, Waller at six. I think I would flip those around in my my mind, right? I'm going to put yep. Waller ahead. So if Waller's there in the, the sixth round, I'm going, all right, maybe, right? I should probably do this. Or Hawkinson, then if he's in the seventh or eighth round, I'm going, okay. Dallas Goddard, if he's fallen to the eighth or ninth round, I'm going, okay, let me pull the trigger on this. Pat Fryermuth, ninth or tenth round, I'm going there. Like you said, outside of that, really in rounds 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, this is where I'm going, like, let me get this guy. He's got a pulse. Oh, I kind of like this guy because he has at a that athleticism. Point, give, at that point, Mike, right? Like, shoot, I'm trying to think, man. Just give me. I mean, give me Dalton Schultz. Give me Noah Fant. Give me Dawson Knox. Give me Mike Gusecki. Give me Cole Komet. Give me later on, way later on, Gronk. Give me – Alberto's probably going to start going too soon, although I love – Round Albert. 12. I can't do it. Round 12. Maybe if he's a value. I just – whatever. Alberto, fine. <laughs> All these type guys, right? Like – Zach Ertz, way later you can get Zach Ertz, right? On a contender, give, give me him. Give we, me uh, Hunter Henry show, even later. We had a show on Brevin Jordan where I, I was trying to dash your hopes. Oh, no. But Brevin Jordan. Flip round, back. Round 16, tight end 24. Why the fuck not? Just not? when I think I'm out. They, they pull, pull me, me back. Again. ADP does it again. So yes. Evan Ingram. As much as people shit on Evan Ingram, round 15, tight end 21 off the board. Don't get me started on where we can get our boy, the fish, the trout. The troutman, yeah. No, but seriously, in best ball, give me troutman. Honestly, at his ADP, give me troutman. Like, I think Dynasty Degenerates, we we need to wrap this up. But the point is, if you miss on Pitts and Andrews, I think the trap to be especially careful of in best ball in particular because you don't have to set the lineup. See, Mike, I think this is a big difference in tight end especially because in lineup you're like, oh, man, yes. I cannot pick up on uh, – how do I start, you know, Albert O week in and week out? How do I start, you know, Zach Ertz or, or Hunter Henry or these guys, yes. right? In best ball, who cares? Dynasty Degenerates, you don't have to do this. It's the Get beauty. Give two, me three, four, five, six of Give me Dalton Schultz. Give me Noah Fant. Give me – Cole Komet and give me Zach Ertz and, and sprinkle some Devin Jordan as my tight end five and, and watch me coast at the tight end position. And I'll just oh, hit yeah. the waiver wire, you know, because there'll be a few, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. And, and then you, you're good. Like, don't panic in best ball if you see Pitts, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller gone and, and then Hawk gone. And then you're like, oh, well, let me pay up for Goddard. I, I, I beg of you in best ball, do not do that, Dynasty Degenerates. Listen, it is best ball, and for anybody who's been doing fantasy football for a while, you're going to know this name. Joel fucking Dreesen. Yeah. You're going to know Joel Dreesen. Joel Dreesen would disappear forever and then just randomly catch two touchdowns in a game. It is best ball. Joel Dreesen would have been a tight end one on the week. 
So when you're looking at guys like Austin Hooper and Dan Arnold and Ricky Seals Jones and Tyler Conklin and Mo Ali Cox and Cameron Britt, these guys cost absolutely fucking nothing. If you can't get one of these stud tight ends at a reasonable cost outside of Kyle Pitts, because I will be fully transparent, Adam and I, at ADP, at cost, I will fully invest in Kyle Pitts just because I believe that much. Let's go. The rest of them, I could fucking care less. The ADP needs to be right. So in best ball leagues, fucking just give me the Foster Moreau's of the world. Give me the Kyle Grantsons. Give me the give me the turds. Let me just stack the shit out of these I'll guys. Shoot my shot and on I, these late, late, laters. One of these guys might luck into a touchdown. That's all I need. <laughs> just get in my lineup. You scored fucking seven points, eight points, whatever the case may be. That's where I'm Mike, going. Mike, there, there's a rebuild I have. That So what I did was all, all those tight ends that we talked about. So I literally own in a rebuild one, right? I own Fant, Fryermuth, Schultz, Knox, Komet, Alberto, Trey McBride, Adam Troutman, Brevin Jordan. Those are my like eight tight ends or whatever. Like the other thing is, if you do that, I mean, you either have to have a stud or good luck even having people that get that make your lineup. Like I think in rebuild, especially, do not pay up for TJ Hawkinson on best ball. Mike, I don't know. I mean, I know you love him. I know he's Mr. Iowa, mm-hmm. but like that fifth round acquisition cost in best ball, I just he's gonna have to solidify him as a top four. He's gonna have to solidify himself as a top four tight end scoring in season to make that worth it. And I just yeah, I love him. I just don't know if I can bank and say for certain that's coming in the next year or two. Yeah. That Man, I think that's a good spot to just end it. We went through all the positions, generally in best ball too, just to put a nice bow on this. We talked about it with the micro dynamics of the league and how you trade and what you should value. Those all still apply, right? Those all come into it. This is just the oversight on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, the things that we learned over the last year playing best ball. I, I hate to say it, but it's almost exclusively at this point. And we need to we need to rebrand the show to the 4D Chess Dynasty Best Ball Football Podcast. <laughs> like, we'll, I don't we'll know just throw we... all the all the names in there. <laughs> but these are the little the little tips and tricks. But in general, in best ball, I touched on it before. Adam can attest to it. I really, if I'm going for a championship, I'm trying to compete. I just don't want a lot of guys on my roster who are going to score zeros. Yeah. I want I want guys who I know have the possibility of scoring weekend up. Yes, yes, they may score zeros. We just talked about dumpster tight ends. The Hayden Hurst of the world may get you a damn zero. But if it means I didn't have to invest a round five startup pick in TJ Hawkinson and kind of go with the flow, and instead maybe I got a Terry McLaurin or a Kirk Cousins or a Zach Wilson or whatever the fuck I went that route, and I, I got the Hayden Hurst and Hayden Hurst and the – the crew of misfit toys are going to be my tight end squad. I'm happy with it. So stack that depth in best ball. These are the thoughts. These are, are going to be ever evolving as we keep playing more in this. I think at some point we're going to write a, a best ball guide. I, there's nobody out there who's doing it for dynasty. I think we can be that guy. We can be the face of dynasty best ball. On we sleeper. are, we are doing it. It's not a, if yeah. it's, it's a, when we are doing it. And this is a, the, you know, the second best ball episode, one of the pilot episodes. So Dynasty Degenerates, if you're with us here, 
please believe this is not going to be the last best ball one we do. No. And real quick, Mike, little quick plug, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. If you're digging any of this, you want to get more into best ball, you want to get more into what we do. Our thought process is you like some of the positional scarcity, whatever we talked about, come hit us up on Patreon, a dollar a month. If you don't, don't worry about it because every single week on Friday, you're going to be able to tune in 40 chest dynasty football best ball podcast will be here every single week and just remember when your league mates are playing chess play 40 chess that's gonna do it for us we appreciate you tapping in we appreciate the love and support thank you from the bottom of our hearts we are out of here peace 4d